Either way. I'll say something. Give me anything. Okay. Doesn't matter. Should I say it right now? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this podcast is for adults only. Sexy voices make me think. And that question. So how did you get started in kink? Sadists, sluts, subs, doms, and slaves. Here's a place where all are safe. is in your ear, licentiously, pervertedly, alluringly, luring me, I'll just be listening to Massacast, Massacast, Massacast. Welcome to another Massacast, thanks for listening, and uh, I forgot to mention the last time, in the last two months we've had two people donate which is awesome. Thank you so much to uh, both of you. You know who you are. It's really, really appreciated. I'm happy to say that uh, I've got a few interviews in the can that uh, will be coming up. People uh, from different backgrounds that we haven't had on before. So this is going to be this gonna be really cool. Before we get to today's episode with uh, Anaya Sin, got to tell you about our awesome, awesome sponsor. It's EdenFantasies.com. They have tons and tons of products. And over 14,000 of those products include... Honest reviews from people who've used the products, people who've tested them out, so you can find out, ooh, is this uh, is as good as it looks, or is this the type of thing that I'm going to be looking for for whatever perverted thing you are looking to do? Coming up uh, at the end of this episode, Saad and I will be talking about uh, a toy that we got through Eden Fantasies called the Climax Remote Endless Egg. It sounds like it's something from Cadbury. Isn't. Another awesome deal you can get upon checkout if you enter the code EF. Cast, that's E-F-C-A-S-T, you'll get 20% off your order. So, today's episode, uh, my good friend and our former house guest here, Anaya Sin. I, I, it's so hard to, to uh, I never run into you. And you never a, see me anywhere. I never, see I never get to see you. This is such a rare opportunity. <laughs> Do you mind if I say that you've been uh, a house guest for yes. a couple of weeks? And so... It's been cool to learn more about you, and you're a good friend of Assad's. So it's been really cool to, and I'm so glad that you're you're sitting down to do this before you find a new place. I, I like to start off every episode by asking, when did you first realize you were kinky? Kinky. Oh, I'm raised Catholic, so I mean that is it kind of gives you you know if you're, if you're Catholic, you you're you're. Sex is forbidden, and anything that's forbidden when you're a kid, you want. So you're after it the second you you find out anything about it. So from the first time I heard sex is an abomination, I went, i got to find out more about that. <laughs> I mean, kinky sex is an even bigger abomination. I'm like, i got to find out more about that. <laughs> <laughs> so how, is that really how it happened? Pretty like, much. I mean, like, I really, I was a very strange child. So How, I, how were you strange? I was just very morbid. I, was, I had a very rich fantasy life. I liked books and ghosts and demons and zombies. And the only part of CCD that I enjoyed was the crucifixion because people were getting tied up and whipped and stuff. <laughs> and so, I mean, if you want to talk about my first fascination anything that was SM oriented before I knew it was SM was probably the crucifixion story with whippings and people getting tied up and torture that fascinated me it was mm-hmm. you know so the whole that I guess might have been the earliest uh, introduction to it for me my first the first time I ever masturbated I don't even know how old I was but I tied myself up when I first masturbated I probably was maybe 11 or 12 um 13, 14, you know, we discovered my best friend's mom's German dildo porn stash, you know, under her Hold bed. 
you know, so. German dildo porn stash. German, like, looks like a, a travel toothbrush case ridge. Do you know what I'm talking about? When you, the old, no, I have no idea what you're talking The old-fashioned uh, toothbrush containers. Oh, oh, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it looked, the dildos in this porn looked like that. And all her, she had all, his mom, this is, you know, the the Columbine era, you know, kids who were into goth. And you've heard of goth and industrial, mm-hmm. this S&M undertones and... This kid was the S&M, my best friend James was the S&M goth boy, the Ozzy Osbourne of our middle school, and he was my best friend. So we spent a lot of time together, you know, lighting things on fire and trying to incur demons and stuff, you uh-huh. know, nerdy, gothic, uh, you know, kids in the woods. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we go snooping around his mom's house, and his mom was, you know, a biker chick, so she was really rough around the edges, and we're, you know, searching for, you know, dirt on her in her bedroom when she's not home and we discovered a stash of German dildo porn. Okay. And vibrate, the, vibrator the porn. The vibrators were German? Yeah, it's all this weird German porn. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't have a, a full recollection of it because I was just so, what the fuck is this? Because German porn and German anything. Is, I'm not familiar with yeah. German porn, I, I, I would say. German anything is just kind of like, it's, it's like reading Ikea instruction booklet. You're like, I know what's going on, but not really. <laughs> and I don't know idea what that thing is. <laughs> Can you give me an example of what German, and the dildo, was the dildo German as well? It was like, well... I'm saying it's German because they were Germans. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. No, but the dildos were a weird. Uh, the vibrators all look like toothbrush cases to yeah. me. To me, and I didn't know what at the time. I'm like probably 12, and I'm like, what is this? Like a toothbrush case? Like, they're really from hygienic China? people. I'm like, this is weird, you know. And they're all. Yeah, I don't exactly remember what what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we we're doing other things as well, so it's kind of blurry. But you know, it yeah. was a you know, it was a very strange. Thing. But when you saw it, you must have been intrigued, apparently. Yeah, and, and shortly after that, you know, I saw Marilyn Manson in concert and got ex- you know exposed to more stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's that I think by the time I hit my teens, I knew what S and M was and knew that I was kinky. I'd always tied myself up or visualized uh, some kind of bondage scene in order to masturbate when I began masturbating. So it was just from the beginning. Was it the control, or was it just the feeling of being bound that was really intriguing to you, or? It just felt scary, fun, and good. <laughs> uh, I didn't really realize that I was into uh, heavier S&M until I, I moved to New York when I went to college. And I discovered, uh, I discovered burlesque. I discovered, uh, you know, the, God, like the, the, the annual parties. Um, one of my first roommates in New York City was a aspiring, and I use that term so incredibly loosely, <laughs> aspiring burlesque dancer who was a rock you know industrial rock goth groupie how, how do you and, mean okay and she, I, she took me to all the parties and i and i got into i got to kind of tour the scene from the outside and be that lurker mm-hmm. and then i discovered heavier uh you know kinkier people and you know kind of flowed from there when i came to new york do you remember you know when you realized there were heavier things can you explain like the first Heavier thing, what that was, and this leather face mask that she had in her in her uh, in she had this chest that was what she moved in, and she had this uh, leather mask that went over your face, and these strange uh, fingerless cuffs with the hooks on the ends, uh-huh. and the, the mitten cuffs. Yeah, and I put those on for a self portrait for my first year at um at uh, art school. And I brought that. It was they had to make a life-size self-portrait. And I put that stuff on and drew myself in it and said that looks really awesome. <laughs> and I like, you know, I like playing with it. I like the way it looked. And I would say, you know, take it out. It seems like it wasn't that big a deal 
comparatively. You know, it's not the same as, let's say, some guy who's or girl who's always fantasized about something and then they experience it the first time. It seems like you've had little bits and pieces of it throughout your life until you know, it just seems like it just the degree of it just increased gradually. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't really share it with anybody until for a long time, actually. I didn't, I never dated people that were into that. I kind of had a very rich uh, sexual life, very rich fantasy life, very rich into porn. I attracted certain types of people who were into those things. There's always, you know, pinned down in bed kind of stuff. But I never really integrated that in my personal life mm-hmm. so much. I had to, you know, first find out what kind of person I wanted to date and then find out if they'd be okay with being kinky. So I had to first work out that, yeah. you know, that whole dating process. Because, That's really hard, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I didn't, you know, date when I was younger. Well, when you... I take that off the record. I mean, I, just, I didn't date when I was younger. So... Well, when, yeah. when, when you were when you meet someone, do you still find this to be true, by the way? Or are you just right out... Are you only going for kinky people now? I just... I own it now. I own it. I embody it, and I attract those kind of people. I know how to. F- I know the connection. When I have, when it's there, I know it's there. So, so I have that sixth sense now. When you meet someone from outside your normal circle, and you say, "Oh, I'm pretty kinky," do they ever ask, "Are you dominant? Are you submissive?" Do they ever ask more details about it, or they just go, "Oh, okay." They ask about my job. Uh-huh. They go, "What you know?" They, uh, job. I use that term loosely. They mm-hmm. ask about what I do. Mm-hmm. You, we should say you're an yeah. artist as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, and then when I get to that, you know, that I'm a professional, mm-hmm. and that I, I t- you know, I have clients, mm-hmm. and I do sessions. Then the questions come. I um, recently, you know, had a, um, you know, a, a date where someone said, "So what? What do you do?" Mm-hmm. You know, they wanted more kind of details about. You know, do you bring that home mm-hmm. with you? Like, how do you? integrate that into your like if, like if I go to work and I wash dishes all day and I go home and there's dirty dishes I don't want to wash those fucking dirty dishes but for you is that the same thing like do you have like a three hour session and you come home and you don't want to have sex mm-hmm. because you know you've been doing something sexual in nature all day and I go no because I don't bring that you know, what I necessarily that I do there is not what I want to do when I get home. Because mm-hmm. what I want to do when I get home is totally different. Is this different from person to person everywhere? Does it increase the desire for you to do your thing when you get home? Sometimes it does. Yeah. You know, I get such an excitement out of it that I'll go home. Uh, you know, I, um, yeah, it increases my excitement. It, it enriches my life and it makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And when I'm happy, I have a very healthy libido. That, you know, that's, that's, that's true for everybody. So if I have a very fun, wonderful, awesome, joyous time in session with someone, have a great time, I go home, I'm happy. Maybe I'm horny. Mm-hmm. You know, it depends on time of the month, all that. <laughs> you know, it's, but if I'm happy, I have a healthy libido. I think, yeah, like yeah. You said, that's true for just about everyone. Yeah. So, I mean, and that, makes me, and that makes me happy. I think it's very different for women explaining this to a guy. I've had to explain it so much. Yeah. So you, t- you, you say that as though you're really tired of explaining it. I've had this, no, I'm saying it in a kind of like a very, um, a, kind of, ex, I, I, I just have, I have to explain it a lot. Yeah. So it's, I'm not sick of explaining it. I just, I know I have, I have to explain a lot all the time. Yeah. I have a lot to explain. I get asked questions every day, everywhere I go. Did that hurt? What is that? I want to see that. Who are you? What do you do? Everywhere I go. So mm. when someone asks me, so what do you do when you're with these people and mm-hmm. what do you like to do and you explain like you know it's 
I'm not going to tell on the first date. I like to show my fist up people's asses and milk them for orgasms. And When do you yeah. tell that? If we're going to be dating in a serious relationship and we have to work out the details of, of if that's going to make them uncomfortable dating me and being my boyfriend. But there's a difference between just going on a couple of dates and actually dating someone and being in a relationship. So let's say you're, you're, uh, you meet someone you really like and you think this person is boyfriend or girlfriend material or whatever. Or maybe it's the third or fourth date and you think this person is really awesome and maybe you don't know everything about what they're into. Do you tell them? Do you like kind of drop some hints? So like, so um, you, you've got some kind of wide hips. Do you think you'd like to take my fist up your ass? No. No. I don't. I don't do that, that at home. This kind of. Oh, you don't do that at home. I don't do that at home. No. Why is that? Why? I mean, you do. You enjoy doing it. Why? Why not at home? I have. You know what? I haven't yet. But you never know. Maybe one day I will. Is it because you just haven't met someone who's yeah. really? Yeah. I guess I haven't done that at home with someone I've dated yet. Yeah. I've definitely done some hardcore scenes at home with people that I've dated, but I haven't met someone I've done that with yet. But I could. I don't write that off as a possibility. I would, if I met the person and we drive like that, yeah. We drive like that, and I just like the fact that you say, like, we drive like that, and that driving happens to be your fist up their ass. That's me. <laughs> so, uh, what's... This is uh, that wasn't a criticism. That was an awesome. Thing I know this, this, this is going to be a lot. Of, the, the title of this interview needs to be awesome. <laughs> a is for awesome. <laughs> the niacin. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you're out there. You're dating. Most of the time, is it within someone in, in your circle? Is that how you usually meet people? From your stories, it seems like you have a lot of guys who kind of come up and just hand you their number. Or I get a lot of. I turn. I get a lot of flirting. I get a lot of you know internet. Let's meet up and hang out, you know, and I usually don't follow through. <laughs> it's, you know, and I tried internet dating when I was lonely at one point, and I was like, no, it's not really. A lot of it's, I know so many people in New York City. I know so many that I'm literally three degrees separated from everybody that I end up going on a date with. Somehow, I'll say, you do that for a living? You probably know so-and-so. And they go, yes, I do. So, I, I it's not... So basically, everyone that I do date is is friend of a friend. I've, I've whittled down the, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon to about two or three degrees in this city. When, but when you've been online dating, yeah, I found when I was doing online dating, it's, it's very, it's very, it, it can be very stressful if you let it get to you. But it sounds like you, your heart wasn't in the online dating either. I went on a tattooed personals thing and met a couple of you know good-looking tattooed guys. There's a tattooed personal? Tattooed lover. I don't forget what it's called. Wow. It was attached to Bizarre or Skin Deep UK magazine, something like that. And uh, I tried it, and I, I emailed a couple people, but I'm more of a, of a face-to-face. I got to feel it in my gut. I got to mm. feel it. Or if I don't feel it, and you can't feel it through a computer for me. Yeah. So I meet someone like... Um, you know, two two boyfriends ago, um, you know, I will call him B. Okay. Um, I met him the first time I saw him. I knew it. Hot for hot for teacher. You know, just I was hot for him. I, lo- I took one look at him and said, "Ah, oh, yes." What was it about him? And he's tall, muscular. You know, that had a pompadour tattoos, biker. My my so, fantasy, okay. fantasy porn say, type. Yeah. We should say you're also describing me, which is kind of yes, depressing. absolutely. Looks just 
Like, your brother from another mother. The pompadour (laughs) tattoo. You know, glasses. And I took one look at him from across the room, and he was a friend of friends, and he took one look at me, and that was it. We just had that, yeah, predator, (laughs) prey, but who's the predator, who's the prey? It was just instant connection. And it was like that with, you know, uh, with with Michael, with other guys I've dated long ago. Um, We saw each other from, or or met each other, or introduced ourselves at 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 an event, or at a dinner or at a friend's thing and it just I felt it in my gut and with mm. internet dating it just I wanted to try it because I just hadn't dated in a little while I wanted mm. to give a couple of practice shots and it just ended up going you know what I can't build a repertoire with somebody online because I'm not feeling anything and if I don't feel anything I have no inspiration to do anything maybe it's because you were on the tattooed one and not didn't go for something else like maybe a catholic oh. one. Oh, this cat okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I don't know you mentioned it, so I don't know. I thought maybe I, I I end up dating uh, Jewish Italian bikers. That's kind of been a pattern of mine, and I don't find out until after the fact. And I'm like, you're you're a Jew, you're a Jew Italian New York City biker. <laughs> there's like three of them in New York, isn't there? Uh, no, there's like 300, and really? I dated half of them. No, I've dated a few of them. It ended up being a pattern, and I was like, this is getting really ridiculous because every time I, I get you know going on a date, I go fuck it's another one, and they all ended up being like that. That's so, very entertaining. Yeah. Once again, the sponsor for this episode is Eden Fantasies. You can go to Massacast.com, click the Eden Fantasies logo. While you're there, remember to enter EFCAST, that's E-F-C-A-S-T, and get 20% off your order. Let's talk about the tattoos. How many do you have? I don't have a quantity in terms of number. I have a a space percentage. Whoa. (laughs) I guess half. I'm half tattooed. You're half tattooed? Yeah. How do you measure that? One whole leg, one whole arm, the whole front of my body with a few spare pieces here and there. So we're talking asymmetrical half of my body. So you have the other limb, the, the other two limbs, and the back. Do you remember your first tattoo? Well, of course you remember yeah. your first tattoo. Was it just a, oh, I'm going to give this a shot? I always loved tattoos from the first time. Being an artist, for me, body art was a, a natural uh, fascination and obsession and, uh, and curiosity for me. Because it was making your skin the ultimate canvas. And I thought that was the most amazing, incredible thing in the world. And I lived near a small, uh, artsy gay biker town. And I'd see tattooed, you know, bikers, bar patrons, artists. And I just loved... I saw my brother raised me on metal. I got raised on... Meta- my oldest brother mm-hmm. raised me on Metallica, Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue. I mean, I had a crush on Nikki Six when I was, like, six years old. <laughs> it's just... I had, I, I had, like, a first sexual crush... And as a child, I was obsessed with Nikki Six and, and Axl Rose. I was obsessed and their tattoos. I wanted them so bad. Mm-hmm. As, and I was really young, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, I always wanted them. But, you know, I always thought of them never as being like, I got to get that because it's cool. I got it's a fashion accessory or it's, you know, my friend should do it or a souvenir. It's, I always thought of it as art because mm-hmm. I've always been an artist. So for me, it was creating a piece of art and then putting it on my body, finding the right artist to do it when I came of age. And you've designed all of your own art? Yeah, loosely. Yeah. I mean, I, some of them were tighter designs than others, but I always gave them to an artist who was also, an, a tattoo artist who was also a very good, fine artist, to rework, and we work on it. I give them what I have, pictures, drawings. They process it and shoot out a design. That's a tattoo. Anyone getting the first tattoo, maybe it's because I'm a, a pussy, but I imagine 
first tattoos are always like little tiny things, but you've did a quite a big. I should specify I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I identify as a masochist in my personal life. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, pain and self cutting and self piercing was something that I had done long before I ever got a tattoo. Oh, okay. So and and I I grew up Irish Catholic with three other brothers. We beat the crap out of each other on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Like a pile drive to professional wrestling on TV as a kid. So pain was nothing to me mm-hmm. in terms of, the, did it hurt? Yes. <laughs> but you deal with it because I knew about endorphin rushes and adrenaline rushes. I knew it would be all right. So I had no fear of the pain. I knew it was going to hurt. I, I, and I didn't care. I, maybe, maybe it's because uh, pain is much easier for me when it's eroticized or something. Or was it still, was there something about the process of getting a tattoo or maybe now is there something about the process that you find erotic I guess in a very loose way because I find the whole I being a tattooed woman is an erotic thing for me so when I'm getting tattooed I feel like I'm becoming more of this erotic tattooed woman mm-hmm. so for me I'm like oh man I'm, let's get more I'm getting more erotic yeah I'm getting I'm getting more <laughs> And I mean, like my my right the piece I'm getting worked on right now that I want to get touched up for the convention next month is um, um, a gun garter belt, you know. So it's a sexy tattoo. Uh-huh. So I, I, it's it's a sexy thing for me. It's something that that is definitely a sexual attraction. Like peacocks have feathers, you know. I, for me, there's a, a sexual nature to being a tattooed woman, and there's a fascination with that in our culture. Absolutely. So. Well, and there's been a fascination with that for a very long time. Yeah. It's just now it's a little more... It's not, well, it's it's much, not crazy it's, now, right? It's, it's watered down Yeah. crap now, Do you, honestly. Is that one of the most common things people approach you about, is your tattoos? Oh, yeah. I can't, go, I can't take myself anywhere. Yeah. I, I, I warn everyone that I, I'm going to be hanging out with in the summertime. Just get used to being stopped every block with me. Cause You're going to be late I can't, for just about everything. So, I, so I can't take myself anywhere. And I have to judge what neighborhoods I'm going into about how much of an uproar I might cause. Because if I were to leave, uh, um, if I were to go into, let's say, uh, Lower East Side, mm-hmm. I might blend in. Okay. I go to Midtown, people are just going to stop and stare and gawk. And maybe some brave person will ask something about me in the business district. I go to Harlem, and I'm going to cause a riot. And everyone's going to be like, girl, look at that girl's tattoos. Oh, my God, girl, that hurt. And they're going to come up to me, and they circle me, and they go, that's crazy shit. Let me see that. <laughs> and they just go, like, she's crazy, girl, crazy. I should say that uh, we live in Harlem, and I'm usually the one who's pointing and saying that. <laughs> that's, that's my and real a, voice. In a much more open um, you know, environment, like, you know, uh, much more uh, close-knit community, like, uh, you know, uh, that's just uh, with no qualms about saying, like, what the hell? that on your leg <laughs> what the fuck did you do girl you're nuts and you're going, yeah, don't mess with that girl she's crazy <laughs> yeah, yes well that's the reason we're paying you to stay here because I'm, I'm armed protection yeah, yeah. Go, they look, 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 go look at the neck let's say if you meet someone you really like and they say oh I've got a tattoo on my on my back but you're at dinner so it's not polite to show you or something like that is there a, a paranoia that, shit, what if I don't like his tattoo? Oh, I've not liked a lot of tattoos on guys I've dated. They've had terrible tattoos. It's their choice. I don't judge them for it. I may go, oh, we got to get that changed. You know, it's I may, not I may, a deal I may, breaker? I may, no, it's not a deal breaker to me. I mean, uh, the deal breakers for me are the insides. Like, the outsides are a bonus mm-hmm. um, for me. Um, the insides end up, you know, they're more important to me. A person's insides are far more important to me than their outsides. But they have a horrible horrible unforgivable tattoo 
that might be a problem, but I have not encountered that yet. Can you give me an exa- an idea of what a horrible tattoo might... Is it is it the content or is it the artwork? Yeah, they had like a Tasmanian devil on their face, you know? Like, that would be a deal breaker. I can't kiss that. If they had if they had Mickey Mouse next to their dick, I couldn't go down on them, you know? I couldn't... You it know, makes the bother. dick look bigger. Yeah, yeah, it's I couldn't do that. It's a mouse next to a penis. Really? It makes it look bigger. Badtattoos.com, I think it is, or Terrible Tattoos. Like, there's, there's terrible tattoo sites out there. If you go on that site and look, those kinds of tattoos are deal breakers for me. Okay. Or, you know, or, or forgive us sinners on your forehead. That's a deal breaker. If your forehead tattoo is... You know, white power tattoos, that's a no-no. That's no no. Yeah, yeah, obvious things like that would be deal breakers okay. for me. Okay, well, that's okay. That's good. I... I the way it was sounding is like you. Well, that, that therein lies the next question: is is would you see if you were about to date a guy with no tattoos or maybe very few tattoos? Would you consider that oh an opportunity to put your own artwork on him or? I mean, they always say, you know, everyone I ever meet or date or talk to, and they always go, "Oh, I have this idea," or "I've always thought about that," or "It's not for me." And I was dating someone recently loosely who had no tattoos none in the most wasn't very rebellious or punk rock in any way we really had very different lifestyles but our personalities and our 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 sexual chemistry and everything was just unbelievable we just i had that explosive connection to him the first time i met him Mm -hmm. and he was kinky so that was wonderful but he had no tattoos and he was completely not my type and i was thoroughly attracted to him because of his personality and i mean he was very good looking as well how do you mostly identify I mostly identify as as dominant in my personal life. It's it can vary depending on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, big bad biker daddy's a fantasy of mine. Mm-hmm. You know, that's tie me down, slap me around, let's have rough sex. That kind of stuff is is very much a fantasy of mine. So in that sense, I am the switch. Mm-hmm. But I, it, it's fluctuating with whoever I'm with. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, the, the chemistry made me more maybe all in that direction of I'm dating, you know, the the big tough man. I'm like, oh yeah. I know women who are switches and like if they were to date a big huge guy, some of them would say, Oh, that's that, that would bring out their inner dominant because they want to take down this big huge guy, right? And some of them would have the opposite effect. They would oh there's this huge hairy burly guy, the big biker daddy, like yeah. you said. Some have different reactions to it. For you, you react submissively to that type of character. In bed, yeah. I mean, what, what, in, in personal experiences, um, I, I kind of uh, they they certainly respect my dominant side, and we we kind of both kind of mutually masturbate to our dominance, and then in bed, you know, it's more submissive. Mm-hmm. But we'll mutually, you know, verbally masturbate to our to our dominance, and they'll get off in the fact that I'm dominant with everybody else but, but them, them, you know, so there's a novelty in that that they really fucking get off on, <laughs> that, that no one else can make them make her submit, but for me, me, motherfucker. Have you, been, <laughs> have you been in a situation where you feel dominant to another dominant, and you just don't feel submissive to a dominant? No. No? Not yet, no. Usually it's, it works out the way it's supposed to work out? Yeah, with, with, um, I think more with girls, it fluctuates. I mean, with girls, it's a constant trade-off. With girls, it can go either way with me, mm-hmm. and depending on the girl. Do you usually date more women than men, men than women? What do you find? Or is it just whatever happens, happens? I date more men than women. Mm-hmm. Um, sexually, uh, it, it all depends on the company I'm keeping at the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I know that... Boy, that sounded a lot wilder than... I, I almost completely passed that over. So it sounds like drop of a hat, boom. There's going to be some. There's, there could be some 
crazy action happening at any given point is what you're saying. <laughs> I have a very diverse life, and I may go through a period where I'm, I'm very much in solitude, working and creating, and not really dating or, or being very sexually active, out, you know, um... And then I may have a, a springtime may come, and who knows, you know, who I'm going to meet, what I'm going to do. You mentioned being very diverse because just a few moments ago you were talking about uh, having the fantasy of the big biker daddy. But I also... Uh, you love emo boys, too. I do! Because I, like... I remember when you first started staying here, you were, sh- you were showing me some photo, and it wa- you, if you tr- tried to design a wayfish emo boy, this would be exactly... Yeah. I'm guessing that you feel more dominant towards that type. Is that true? Or? Possibly, yeah. I, I, um, another person you're talking about, yeah, I, definitely. Uh, with that particular person, I, I definitely felt that way. Um, but that's just because he is who he is. Uh-huh. He, was, he was definitely, he was bisexual as well. Mm-hmm. And, and he was a bisexual top with guys, um, squishy with girls. I don't know if, if that would be confusing or if that would be really awesome to have so many options i don't know i'm all it's awesome options yeah i am i'm an ever-changing uh developing growing person you know i'm i'm not set and there's certain things i know i like like i like big biker daddy fantasy i love it Mm -hmm. the rough sex the yes that's something i know i liked i've always liked uh girl on girl like punk rock porn um one of my favorite favorite porns in the world is um oh god what the fuck is his name scurvy girls and um scurvy girls and uh porn of the dead and texas vibrator massacre what is <laughs> his, what is his name oh my god he's this famous famous yeah, punk rock yeah something rotten and this would be the director we're looking for yeah it's the director um i've always liked his porns because he had the he had the punk rock girls and the girl on girl action and the guys and the girls a little bit of s&m here a little bit of Rob Rotten. Rob Rotten, yes. I fucking love Rob Rotten. Because he incorporates punk rock, tattooed girls, with the girl-on-girl, guy-on-girl, rough sex both ways, with horror films and camp. It's awesome. It's, it's a great uh, uh, conglomerate of things that I love, all in one porn. Are there certain things that will uh, key your dominance or key your submissives one more? I mean, is there, are there certain triggers that it... Let's start with submission. Well, wayfish emo boys. I, I do have a bit of a soft spot for dominating boys like that. I kind of I kind of like the effeminate tattoo boys. I'd like to tie them down and just torture them a little bit. I mean, that's uh, definitely. Um, but I also have a fantasy about, and this, this came from, this actually, this fantasy uh, started when I first saw the secretary. Mm-hmm. And then it, it actually came to life when I met someone recently who looked very dapper in a suit of the whole business power suit getting spanked by... The, power, the guy in the power suit. Yeah. I found that very sexy, which is the exact opposite of big bikers, you know? Yes. So, But I found, you know, uh, I liked that movie. There was an S&M-oriented movie. And then later in life, I meet somebody who I would actually, oh, I like that fantasy of, of the man in the suit, you know, saying, take off your skirt, I want to spank you. It seems to me that there's, uh, there's no one trigger. It just seems like... I a- have certain things I know I like, like we've, like we've discussed. Certain things I know I like Certain genres, certain activities that I know mm. I like. I like I like slapping. I like rough sex. I like bondage. I like uh, sensory deprivation. I like choking. I like breath play. Um, you know, in both both ways. Both sides. Both sides, depending on the person. And then, uh, but in terms of 
who's doing what and how that goes, it, it's, it varies with each person. And then new things may come in, or the person may be completely vanilla. Are there so. things that you enjoy doing on one side that you don't do, enjoy doing on the other side? I know, I really, and I think it's only because I've never dated someone who's been good at giving head. I love the power of giving a blowjob. Mm-hmm. Because they are so, at my, I tie down or not, you just flick your tongue on the tip of a guy's dick. Any guy I've dated. And they just <gasps> stop everything you're doing and go, oh my God, I'm getting gold. And just, they just freeze and just go, all right, go, go, I'm yours. You know why guys do that. <laughs> yes, they love it. Well, because there's a mouth on her penis. Yes, the second, the, the second my tongue or I start to go down there, I'm immediately in control. That's just a blowjob is a power. It's not a submissive thing for me unless it's a face fucking. Mm-hmm. You know, so a blowjob and a face fuck, depending on the person, are two different things for me. But with one boyfriend, I may want him in, in a heat of the moment to fuck my face. But other times, other nights, I may feel a little more frisky. I want the power shift for me to go down on him. And this happened with someone I was dating that, um, that Zod actually met at one point in time. Uh, I loved giving him blowjobs because he would just stop everything. And I had complete control over him and it was awesome. And at other points in time during sex, it was mostly him in control. But I've not, I have not met a guy who's gone down on me that I've enjoyed yet. So a guy giving me head has just been the most boring thing in the world well, for me. I, I have a few friends who have claimed the same thing. Yeah. And from what I've heard, it's because most guys out there are usually just going down on a woman as sort of the gateway thing. Okay, well, she went down on me, so I'll yeah. get down on her. Do you I've think had- that's it? Do you think it's because they're, they're, have, you, have you met a guy who's like really loved it, was really into it? One boyfriend was really into it, but he wasn't really good at it. And that was a drawback for him. I've had girls go down on me, and I've loved it. So um, it's, oh, so it's a guy thing. You I haven't met a guy. You've met women, though. Yeah, I've met, I've met women who've been pretty, pretty good at it, but I have, I've never come from it. I've never had an orgasm from it. Um, it's, it's definitely like, you know, uh, in the heat of the moment, it'd be a nice little thing to do, but it's never been an activity that's very predominant in my sex life as opposed to uh, blowjobs and... Have you tried maybe coaching? Yeah, it's just no use. Why? Why, why is it that? <laughs> it just, it's like, it, it's an Ikea instruction booklet. <laughs> oh, okay, hold on. Why wouldn't you... Why, why maybe would, one day I'll be able to instruct better, but it, it's if, just... If not, if not, not just for I, yourself, I, I, for future partners at that point. For me, I'll just say why I won't waste the time and the heat of the moment to try to give a class about how to give head to me. I'll just stop it and go right to something that I know is going to be great. You, you, keep, keep this in mind. You're mm. also doing a, a service to the people who are coming after you. No pun intended. Well, that's something that I don't, I don't really desire that very much. I'm not really into getting head. I don't like it so much. See? Well, there you go. Yeah. You mentioned um, DS a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, are there any aspects of, let's say, the master-slave type of dynamic that you like that's not necessarily in just the bedroom? I I, uh, really appreciate the relationships I have made with people in the DS community, and a lot of them are service-oriented in terms of um, whether it's just simple appreciation gifts Mm -hmm. or um, favors or um, assistance in in times of need, like Mm -hmm. uh, like someone that I have seen for uh, several years, Mm -hmm. actually. You know, has come to my aid and helped me move. Now, do you know, you it's a wonderful s- thing, you know. Now, so do that- you see that as service or do you see that as friendship? Both. We've seen each other for, you know, we've known each other for several years and uh, built a repertoire, a relationship, and, 
and he does it out of service and he you know would appreciate doing that and then he does that and i appreciate that as well what's the one kinky thing or activity uh that when you hear about it you find it incredibly amusing you know strange fetishes definitely i mean it is a fetish for everything so yeah. you introduce a strange fetish to me and i'm gonna think it's completely hysterical and awesome can you think of any i experience a rapture with this the sweater fetish a sweater fetish? So there was a there was a there was um, a, a, a gentleman who came in who had a, a sweater fetish and he came in to see another dom at a place I worked at and um, you know and, and you're writing down the, the appointment and you're, and you're saying you know well what are you into what would you like to see so and so for he said well I have a very strange fetish and I went well what what's your fetish and he goes well it, it, it involves sweaters what does that what does that mean? What? Ha- what? what? So the, the the person's first sexual experience had been, and he was, you know, very strict household. Um, who probably was a Mormon, you know, uh, who knows? Very strict religious yeah. household. You know, never talk about sex. Didn't know what sex was. Didn't know what his penis was for, except for peeing. You know, mm-hmm. one day he's thought his teacher was very pretty, and his sweater that was tucked into his pants rubbed against his crotch, and he had an erection for the first time. And he's ever since then had a sweater fetish. Wow. So what was what was entailed? Well, I didn't know what was entailed. He came with a backpack and he went into the room, and and the dom went in in lingerie, and she came out head to toe in a turtleneck sweater with a the, the waist to ankle sweater skirt on, like sweater socks or leg warmers, and laughing with tears coming down her face, just joy. And then she's like, "You have to come in here and see this." And I went into the room, and there is this guy tied to the Saint Andrew's cross covered head to toe in sweaters tied to the cross in sweaters his whole body wrapped up bound in mummified in sweaters with this with a turtleneck that was over his crotch and his penis was inside the turtleneck and she goes he likes it when i do this and she bent over and shook her sweater covered butt in his face and the turtleneck that his dick was in went bing oh god and the turtleneck rose up and i will never get that image out of my brain that was one of the funniest but most awesome things I've ever seen. Like, that was so cool. That guy's fetish was so unique and fun and funny. And then people who were into, like, inflatable body... Like, they see the big inflatable boob, balloon boob thing? Yeah. It's hysterical. It is hilarious. It's this all, just all kinds of funny fetishes. So I find certain fetishes very amusing and weird. I never judge that. I think they're all just great. A splashing, I think it's hysterical. I saw this one real sex show where it was all... Explain what splashing is for the people. Food. Who- uh, basically splashing around in food. Yeah. And I saw this one real sex episode where it was a bunch of big, fat English old people splashing around cakes and pies. And it was one of the most... I didn't really not want to see these people naked. Yeah. But it was really awesome and hysterical, you know? So... And it was very, it's very cool when people can connect that way. Right? Yeah, so. you know, and I enjoy a little whipped cream in bed sometimes, you know? So it's, you know, <laughs> me fruit while I have a blindfold on. That's fine. So... I'm glad I asked you that question. This is really good because I want to... But if someone wants to find you... AnaiaSin.wordpress.com. There you go. And then, Find me on on FetLife Anias underscore Sin. The, we'll have a again. We'll have a link. Yeah. On the website as well, and we'll also have a photo so people can see. Yeah. See some of your uh, half there's, of your skin. There's full galleries on my. I've been updating my uh, the Niacin website, um, so uh, the galleries are updated. Um, if you'd like to see my art, just email me. Um, mm-hmm. I will gladly show you some of my work. That's uh, that's very much an open open game. If you like to see my work, I will send you a zip file with a bunch of images in it. So, thank you so much for sitting down with me. It's been wonderful. It's awesome. I hope uh, our our paths will cross again soon. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> as soon as I stand up and go make coffee or something. <laughs> 
thanks again to Anais. You can you can see uh, a lot of her tattoos and all of her other stuff on her blog. You can see the link on Mastercast.com in the link section. While you're there, make sure you click the link for Eden Fantasies, the proud sponsor of the Mastercast. Uh, actually, Saad and I recently got a, a really cool toy through them called the Climax Remote Endless Egg. Recently, when Saad and I were walking through Central Park, we decided to sit down and we were talking about it and... Here was uh, here's our review of the egg. Okay, so the the thing that really stands out in my mind is as soon as you opened it up and you saw what it was, you let out this. It wasn't a giggle. Is it a squeal? It was a, a half squeal, half evil. If there's such a thing as an evil squeal, <laughs> I've probably patented it. <laughs> that's exactly what it was because immediately your mind turned to filth, which of course is what happens when you open a sex toy. But still. Um, what did you think of the remote control aspect of it? I mean, what did you think of the toy? I like, I liked it a lot. It felt really nice. The the texture was good. I mean, I didn't use it on myself, but I didn't see you complaining any. No. Um, the antenna that comes out of the remote. I don't know. I found that very, very entertaining. I know we're moving away from antennas in general with our electronic equipment, but I really like pulling out the antenna and then pointing it at you. You felt like you were a James Bond villain about to just, you know. Uh, <laughs> Detonate. Explode your penis. Exactly. <laughs> Detonate your asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the name of a movie I rented. Which is kind of the facial expression you would get, too, whenever I would turn it on and I'd be in the other room, like, peeking around the corner, and I'd hit the button, and all of a sudden you'd just go, <gasps> and your jaw would drop, and your I could see your butt cheeks clenching. Okay. And <laughs> Which is, that's the, the, the same evil squeal that you just had, right? <laughs> but it, it worked. Pretty well. I was surprised at how powerful it was, and again, you could activate it from a whole other room. And imagine, too, this is the other uh, good use for this would be, you know, if we were out to dinner or something like that. And or if we're at a party, if we're at a big crowded party like Smack or something, and then I can't find you and I need to find you, then I just hit the button and you know that I'm looking for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm over here. Please shut it off. <laughs> It's my new favorite remote. Again, EFCast upon checkout gets you 20% off at Eden Fantasies. We'll see you next episode. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.